you are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. All right, so in honor, you can, Brock, if you would just turn me down just a little bit, that'd be awesome. We want them all to come back next Sunday. So, so back to school Sunday, thought we would do a little activity called This or That, the Back to School Edition. So I need to see the hands of the people uh, in the house who are like mechanical pants, pencil people, like mechanical. That's like your jam. Okay, how about the original, the OG, the wooden pencil? All right, okay, good. So we have that in the house. I'm not trying to bring division in the church, just trying to like, this is the intro. Okay, okay, good. Uh, so we've got the pencils. Uh, how about lunch? We got like cold lunch people in the house. Where are my cold lunch people? Some of you need to think back a little ways. It's been a while, and that's fine. Okay, hot lunch. The courageous ones, yes. Okay, good, we have that. Awesome. Uh, how about like my swings people? Who are like on the playground, your swings people? Monkey bars. Anybody have break an arm on the monkey bars in your little? Yeah, it seems like that. Some of the teachers always kind of watch it like this. Yep. Okay, we've got that. Also, gym class people. Let me see my gym class people. Okay, how about art class? Yes. All right. That's awesome. That's about even. Okay, what else do we have? Oh, yes. This might be my favorite one. The group project versus individual work. Where are my group project people? Yes, we like to rely on the people who are really talented. And then the individual work people who find themselves really annoyed because I end up doing it all anyway, so I might as well just do it all myself. Right? Yeah. Some of you still have that in your workplace, and it drives you nuts. Okay, so we have that. What else? Oh, yes. Oh, no, 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 go back. So we have the busing. Brock, can you help me go back? Thank you. Oh, no, no, no. Other way. Oh, man. Okay, so busing people. So let me see my busing people, all right? You rode the bus to school. Okay, how many of you walked both ways uphill in the snow? Yeah, right? Okay, good. Then you already saw it. Colored pencil people, right? Okay, how about markers? More, yeah, see? Okay. It fits with the artists, right? People who like art class are like, no, colored pencils because markers bleed, right? Okay, so we have that. Good. All right, next one. Oh, yeah. The glue stick versus the glue bottle. Let me see glue bottle, people. Okay, glue stick. No eating it. There's some kids in my class that did that. All the teachers are like, yeah, preach. Okay, got that. What else? I think we might have one more. Oh, yes. Okay, so, oh, shoot, it keeps happening. So picture day, right, versus fire drill day. All right, so we're my picture day people. You really love picture day. It's your jam. Wow, sort of a minority. All right, so fire, fire drill people, like that a little bit more? All right. Wow, all right. Picture day, that really, like, <laughs> failed. Okay. Okay, last one, Brock. Can you give me that last one? Should be the last one. Oh, yeah. So late to school, see, she's, like, looking in the window, let me in, versus early to school. Look how happy she is. She's been up since five. All right, so late to school people. Let me see your late to school people. Okay, and early Yes, okay. We're, this is a church of a bunch of achievers. That's why we had the message from last week about rules, because we're just working out all that. Okay, I think that might be it. Is there one more? No, that's it. All right, cool. So today, back to school, I thought about what we 
might talk about, what might be helpful as we step into a, a new year of school. And I thought about, I've never been a teacher. I've never had to stand in front of a room of 25 kindergartners or third graders or, or anything like that. But one of the big jobs you have is classroom management, right? And it's everybody's favorite thing to do, like getting the attention of a noisy room. And we have some people in our community who are bus drivers, Lord bless them, right? And so they have to get the attention of a noisy bus. If you've ever had that experience in life, you know how difficult it is. And there's actually a moment, a place, a person in the scriptures who has to try to get the attention of a noisy group of people, people who have turned their ear away from God. And what they've done, instead of turning their face and their ear and their life toward God and toward his kingdom, they kind of showed up with empty sacrifices in the temple. So their life in the temple, it looked like they were faithful. It looked like they were honest. It looked like they were true. It looked like they were genuine. But then God says, like, when I look at the fruit, like, you look like you're listening, But when I look at the fruit, it shows me that you're not listening. And so he spends 35 chapters in the book of Isaiah, like pleading with them, asking them, if you can hear my voice, clap once, right? If you're trying to get, I'm trying to get your attention, but you have turned your ear and your face and your life away from me and what you have done is you've just, with your life, just handed me like an empty water bottle when I've shown you that I'm thirsty, that I would like something to drink. We had a bunch of neighbors over this weekend. They came in the house and they said, hey, uh, can we have a water bottle? And so I handed them this, just to mess with them. And they're like, that's not a water bottle. I said, yes, it is a water bottle. It's empty. And this is the experience in the book of Isaiah, that the people of God have offered him a, a life, a faith, that doesn't have any teeth to it, that's empty. And what Isaiah wants to do, he's this prophet who comes on the scene to call people back to God. So verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 43, we find these words, But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you. I've called you by name. You are mine. So after all of the warning, after all of like, hey, like you need to turn back to me, like this, there are going to be some things that are going to happen. There's going to be some consequences. Because I've called you not to have a, an empty faith in me, and I'm, but I'm calling you to have a, a faith that's fruitful in the earth. Because it's not just about what happens before me, what happens in a room. No matter how long the gathering takes, it's actually not about what happens in the gathering. It's actually about the gathering outside of the gathering. It's actually about what happens outside of the walls. It's actually about living into the truth of the kingdom when you're not around one another in this place, but when you're walking on the road. That's why we see in the book of Deuteronomy, God talked to the Israelites about like, hey, teach your children. 
Like talk about this stuff when you're walking on the road and when you're lying down. Like the implication would be like, hey, at the breakfast table, talk about me. Like, hey, when you're walking around in the neighborhood, like, hey, talk about me. Like when you have to have a really hard conversation in the car and your voice was a little bit louder than you planned on, talk about me. Because the life that I've called you to isn't about a life that's supposed to be enclosed in a room, but it's actually supposed to be a gift for the world. And this is the heart of God. And the heart of God comes through the mouth of Isaiah. There's this turn. So after all of that, after all of those words, but now this is what the Lord says. And if you're somebody, this might be our colored pencil people, and you're like, circle stuff in your Bible, like, but now might be a thing to circle. That's the turn in Isaiah, in the whole book. But now, this is what the Lord says. So this is not what your past says. This is not what the mirror says. This is not what your family says. This is not what the scale says. This is not even your current circumstance in life. It's not what your current circumstance in life or your context says. And it's also not even what you say. Because I will tell you what I think is easy for us is to talk about all of the other things that people say to us, all the other things that people tell us. But I will tell you today, I think the person that you need to do battle with most when it comes to what you hear is yourself. I think you are the most likely person, I am the most likely person to lie to myself. To not declare what has been spoken over me, what's true about me, to myself. So I'm, needs to start with me. And it's interesting, like the voice of the Lord was needed in Judah's day because Israel, you need to understand, is split into two kingdoms at this time. So like 922 BC, right, there's this split that happens. And there's God's people in the north and God's people in the south. So the northern kingdom's called Israel, and the southern kingdom's called Judah, and Isaiah is a prophet that shows up to the people of Judah trying to get their attention. It's a noisy room, and he's trying to wake them up and trying to get their attention, that it's not about the worship that happens in a room in a sacrificial way, but it's about the life that the sacrifice points to. And so he spends an entire book trying to get them to understand that. And so the voice of the Lord was needed in Judah's day, but the voice of the Lord is also needed in our day. Because what was going on in Judah and what's going on now is that there's a lot of noise in a little truth. And so God's voice is needed. And if you look at like God's voice in the scriptures, like I got curious. And I started wondering like, okay, like where does God's voice show up in the scriptures? Like what does God's voice actually do? And so we see God's voice creating, like out of nothing. We talked about this before this summer, the tohu wabohu, the darkness and the formlessness. God's voice speaks and he creates. God's voice also redirects people all throughout the scripture. Like somebody's walking in one way and then the voice of God comes to them like, hey, actually, like I need you to go here. 
I know that you planned on all of this stuff over here. But I need you to have a flexibility of heart to follow me here. We see God's voice blessing. Like the moments in the New Testament like where Jesus blesses people. And he speaks truth over them. There's people in the New Testament whom he calls daughter. Like that's a word of blessing. And he blesses the disciples. Hey, blessed are you because you have believed, because you have seen this, because you understand. And the voice of God sets free. People have been wrapped up in all kinds of wounds, all kinds of bondage, all kinds of pain. And he sets them free. There's this amazing story about this guy who's been filled with demons for years and years and years and years. And actually, that's how he's known in the community. Like, imagine that pain. The way you are known in the community is by your wound. And can I just tell you that I think there's actually a lot of people here who can identify with that. Because you identify yourself by your wound, by the worst day you've had, by like a moment that you're not proud of, by this inner pain that you wake up with every day and you go to bed with it every night. It might as well be the blanket that covers you when you sleep. What else does the voice of God do? The church says, and Dave says, he gives purpose. Like the voice of God gives purpose to human life. It brings healing. It also prevents. Remember this Jonah person? And he's got in his mind to go to a certain place. And the voice of the Lord speaks into his life, into his existence, into his choices, and say, hey, no, 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 you're actually not going to go there. The Apostle Paul will talk about this in the New Testament. Like, hey, the plan was to go here, but the Lord prevented me from doing that. So the voice of the Lord will do that. It will correct. Like, it will battle, it will comfort, and it will protect So Isaiah will say to the people of Judah, but now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob. So when we talk about the one who created us by being created, what are we talking about? Are we talking about the the truth that we've been created? I think we're talking about four things. I think first, we're talking about design. Like when we have been created by God, we've been designed by the, by the king, by the ruler of the universe. I think we can talk about gifting. Like there's a way in which God has empowered you to be a gift to the world. And it's not just something you do. I think a lot of times when we talk about gifting, we talk about something that we do. It's actually something that you are. So actually your personhood, your being, your presence through the power of the Holy Spirit can be a gift to somebody. So we talk about being designed and gifted and then purpose. The fact that we are created by God. Like there's intention. There's a plan. There's purpose behind all of this. Like this is not meaningless. This existence that we live together is not meaningless. There's purpose behind it. And of course, we're not always able to see with great clarity what the purpose is. But the promise of God, we've been created, it's this Hebrew word, bara. 
When that has happened to us, it's happened with design and gifting and purpose. And this last one, because we are created by God, we are people of great worth in the eyes of God. And part of the work that God has to do in our lives is to see this as true. But now this is what the Lord says. And the Lord's like, yeah, I, I know what that person said. I was there. Like, I understand about that moment. Because, like, I'm the author of all time. But I need you to understand that you are a person of great worth. That you have a meaningful life. And something that happens, I believe, in the context of the local church in America is that sometimes we assume that people sort of believe this. That we kind of sort of assume, oh yeah, like everybody understands that they're, per- they're people of great worth. When what's true is we just have a lot of people struggling to believe the truth of that. And so we end up not talking about things like suicide and depression and self-harm and mental health because we've just assumed this. And actually the, the great lie of the enemy is that we are not people of great worth, and so we need to try to make ourselves worthy. When God's like, no, I created you with design and gifting and purpose and worth at your birth. I created you that way. It's part of his grace. And so then part of our calling is to live into how we have been created. So, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob. He who formed you, O Israel. So what's this formation about, like being formed? I like to think of it as being strengthened and being deepened so that we would be fruitful. Like not strengthened in our own power, but strengthened in his power and deepened in his way and in his name. And that would be the thing what makes us fruitful. Because stuff is going to happen. You're going to encounter things. And you are going to need a strength that comes from somewhere else outside of you. And we're going to need to have deep roots because there's going to be wind and rain that seeks to wash all of that stuff out. And if we would understand our call to be strengthened by God, formed by God, deepened by God, there is a fruitful life that is possible for us. So he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. So what's up with like the Jacob and Israel stuff? Like I don't really understand that. So there's a guy in the Old Testament. And his name is Jacob. And he's a brother. And he makes a mistake. And one of the mistakes he makes is that he wants to steal for himself what God has given to somebody else. And so he tricks his brother. And then he has to run away from home. And he spends most of his adult life disconnected from his family. Because he's sneaky. And then there's a moment that he and God have, right? Because when you walk away, when you disobey, there's always a moment 
that we have to stand in, and God changes his name. And I bet you can't guess what he changes it to. He's like, no longer, you're not going to be Jacob anymore. This is a new birth. This is a new identity. This is a resurrection account in the Old Testament, if you ask me. And he gives him the name Israel. So you're no longer going to be called Jacob. Like, you're not going to live in this, I'll be dramatic and I'll throw it even. You're not going to live in that identity anymore. You're going to live in this identity. Like, there's a new creation. Like, there's something that's happened. This is what Paul will say to this, this church in the New Testament. Like, hey, if anybody's in Christ, he or she needs to work harder. No, if anybody is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone, and what? Where's the new at? The new is here. And so if you ask me, like, why in the world is Isaiah talking about he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, why Jacob and why Israel? Because I believe God is speaking both to what has happened and what is to come. God's speaking his promises over the whole timeline of life. That, like, I know the stuff that has already happened. Like, I know about that. I was there. I was present. I know about that wound. I've seen it. I've seen the wreckage of it. Like, I know what happened 10 years ago. Like, I know what happened last month. But this is what the Lord says. He who created you. Oh, Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. And there's a, there's a new thing that I'm desiring to do. So I'm speaking both to the past and to the future. Both what has happened and both what is to come. And in the scriptures, when there's a, there's a new name, there's a new identity that goes with it. And God's calling his people to live out of their Israel identity and to put aside their Jacob identity. There's this science fiction writer named Octavia Butler, and she says something that I think is really beautiful. I don't read a lot of science fiction. I'll read a little bit. But she says, the very act of trying to look ahead to discern possibilities, this is beautiful, is an act of hope. So the very act of looking into the future, seeking to discern possibilities, is an act of hope. And we get to be those kinds of people. So, but now, this is what the Lord says, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. And like, oh, redeem, here we go, church word 9,613. Here's how I like to think of redemption, kind of three-tiered. Three legs of a stool, if you want to think about it like that. What has been broken, God says he will repair. What has been broken, God says he will repair. What has been stolen, God says he will return. And what has been buried, God says he will raise. 
So when we talk about being a redeemed people, what has been broken, God promises to restore and repair. What has been stolen, God promises to return. There's this beautiful line in the book of Joel that God says, I will repair the years that the locusts have eaten. And that's who our God is. And everything that has been buried, God says, I'm raising that thing as my redeemed people. I invite the band up as we close this morning. Then the last part. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. But now, this is what the Lord says. Who created you, O Jacob? He who formed you, O Israel? Fear not, for I've redeemed you. I've summoned you. I've called you by name. You are mine. And here's what I love about the very end of verse 1. Is that when we talk about our belonging to God, we get to talk about it in both personal and certain ways personal ways because we're called by name. Certain because it's his voice. Like it's not the voice of our past. It's not the voice of our family. It's not the voice of our context, our current background in present day. It's the voice of God. And there's an authority that comes with the voice of God. So it's both personal and certain. Personal because we've been called by name and certain because it's he who has declared us his. So this school year, four words. Not just for the kindergartners, not just for the fifth graders, for everybody seated in this place today, word number one, created. Created. With gifting, with purpose, with design, and with more worth than you will ever understand in your life. So created, formed, you would be strengthened and that you would be deepened. I think the Lord would say, not so that you would be impressive, but so you would be fruitful. Because we need to have something to hold on to in the midst of a storm. So created, informed, redeemed. Created, formed, redeemed. Now what's been stolen, it's coming back. What's been broken is being repaired. What has been buried in the ground, it's being raised. And that's what Jesus shows in coming to earth. And then that last word, created, informed, redeemed, and called by name. And called where? You know, some of us have had the experience of being called by the principal at school. Nobody's got to raise their hand to that today. Just There's probably one or two of us that's happened. God's calling you not so that he can 
grab you by the collar and have this kind of conversation way too close where you can smell his breath, but so that you would be welcomed into his presence because that's why he's come. So that you'd be set free. So you would understand how wide and high and deep the love of Christ is. How did he show it? He showed it on a cross. And he showed it in and through a burial and a resurrection and an appearing. Because after he's raised to life, he doesn't just go hide somewhere. Ever notice that? It wouldn't have made the resurrection any less true, by the way, if he would have done that. Because it still would have happened. But what does he do? He goes to his people and he's like, hey, I'm alive. And John, riding on the island of Patmos in the book of Revelation, will take that moment and he will say, on behalf of Jesus, that I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to what? To death and to hell. And the implication is that I also hold the keys to everything that stands in between that experience. So church, you are created. You're formed. You're redeemed. And you're called people. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you today for this community, for the power of your word, the, the power of Isaiah. And God, one little sentence in a book with dozens of chapters. We thank you for the, the grace that you have displayed to us in Christ Jesus the grace to have breath in our lungs today. And God, I pray for those of us who are gathered here this morning and we're just in the midst of something really dark and confusing and hard and it feels like not a lot of people know about it. God, I pray that your promises, but now this is what the Lord says, person who created you, the person who formed you, the person who redeemed you, the person who called you is the person who's with you. As we step into this next school year, that we would believe and know and speak that over our lives, over the lives of the kids of this church, over the teachers of this church, the person who created and formed and redeemed and called is the person who's with us. We give you thanks and praise today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing one more song together. Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.